Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna your fucking ass! You don't got your playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby. I would like to introduce. Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 27. Yes, we're here. We beat the virus. Well, not yet. We will someday, sometime in the near future. But until then, even though there is not a fight card coming up for at least the foreseeable future, we got at least a couple weeks before that, we are still here to review the UFC Brazilian card that happened this last weekend. And we will find content to give you guys to keep you entertained in the coming weeks. But I can't do that alone. So first, I will introduce myself before I pass it over to the person who's going to help me give you guys all this content. I am MA State of Mind. Your favorite garbage man, Bob Voss. You'll see me there on Twitter, guested on a few podcasts in my day. And now we have one of our own, me and Mike. With me is Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win. Mike, how are you doing in this dystopian future we're living in? Oh, man, it's fucking madness out there, dude. I mean, I, we can't even get bread at the store over here, toilet paper, the people acting like straight idiots. It's it's it feels like uh, someone's uh, playing the Jumanji game on us, and uh, you know it's a four year old. So I know someone made a meme like that, and it was so real. But uh, you know we're still stoked to be alive. The fact that uh, we did have a little bit of UFC last weekend, we will not have any UFC then the following weekends, which kind of sucks, and it uh, doesn't look encouraging in the future. But uh, all we can do is be positive because that's all you can do, and just enjoy your families and your time and uh, that you have with them. Well, if I can quick say, in terms of future weeks, we are currently in discussion on how those weeks are going to look from us to you guys, and I would appreciate it if you would go over to the main Twitter account for the MA4 Money team and check out the poll we have going on. It's more about how the next shows are going to be going, what you guys want to see. I mean, we have enough weeks, we might be able to fit it all in, but obviously vote the way you want to go for some of those upcoming shows. We might be able to bang out those topics in one show, two shows, three shows. We'll find out, but you know what? We're still going to give you guys content. But before we go too far in the rabbit hole of what may or may not be in the future, let's talk about some concrete things that for sure happened over there in Brasilia on the ESPN Plus card that eventually ended up on every single ESPN-type media because there was nothing else on. Um, it was a terrible event, in my opinion. Oh, well, yeah. Up until the, latter, the top half of the event, it was... It was rough. It was rough watching. I'll give you that much. It's one of the few fight cards that I've actually been able to fight live since everything else was canceled and I was home. Uh, it was just decision after decision, and it was just so disappointing. And then watching my boy Damian Maya just get dropped like he's never been dropped has killed me. Oh, that's rough. And we will for sure get there. The first fight we're going to talk about uh, was one we went into and actually had a bet on was uh, EDS, as we like to call him, Elizu Zaleski dos Santos got the decision over Alexi. Kachenko, uh, Kachenko, Mr. All Upper Body, um, as you can tell, probably three quarters of his weight was on the top half, thrown, thrown with some serious power, but I was happy they scored it that way, but EDS was just consistent, peppering with the leg kicks, setting him up, still hitting his shots, moving out of the way, uh, looking really good, 
one of the scariest parts for us on the EDS side was Kachenko hit him real clean uh, at the end of the first round and stunned him pretty bad and had him gassing pretty good. But you know what? EDS survived, and he was one of the few judge decisions that went our way that I completely agreed with. Um, it was close, but I thought it was clear two rounds to one. Mike, how'd you feel about that fight, his performance, and the recently no longer undefeated Russian getting another defeat from our boy EDS? Uh, well, it was a great performance from both of them. I mean, both of them gave us a tremendous display of striking. EDS just happened to have just a little bit more diverse striking, which means a couple more leg kicks, and he didn't concentrate so much on throwing power punches like uh, Kuchenko did. But, it, it, I mean, I, it was an iffy fight. You know, I never know when you go to the judges. You can never be too sure. But uh, it's it's definitely exciting to see that he could take a punch like that and he's still here because EDS is one of my favorite fighters uh, lately. And uh, Kuchenko, for him to get his first loss, uh, I think he learned a ton. I think he, he needs to get his gas tank just a little bit uh, stronger and that he could be a possible contender. No, I definitely agree that he has a lot of the skills. But yeah, for sure he was slowing down as the fight went on. And... Yes, this is one of the few decisions that went our way because you know, you're never 100% uh, where they're going to go if they're scoring things the way you are, at least in terms of this one. This one did win for us. One a little bit later on the card. Well, you know what? Actually, the very next fight we're going to talk about didn't quite go that way, regardless of how I saw almost every single person on Twitter score it, uh, including myself, other than people that had money the other way. Um, Garbage. Who's here for me? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Formiga was a minus 165 uh, favorite. Juicy A, as I like to call him, was against Brandon Moreno, plus 145, and we did. We sang Brandon Moreno's praises. We absolutely did. We love the kid, and even after this, I mean, he actually looked even better than I thought he would. It was less dominant of a performance than I thought Formiga would have, but I thought it was clear two rounds to one for Formiga, and I guess we can't talk about anything unless we talk about that stand-up at the end of the first round. Mike, talk to me about that stand-up. Oh, bro, I mean, if you could see me guys right now, I'm just shaking my head nonstop. I've been shaking my head nonstop since the fight ended. It just it makes me sick to my stomach to see anybody um, stand someone up when they're almost in full mount. I mean, if you know anything about jujitsu, you know that if you're gonna you're three quarters mount, you're gonna get there. You're you're gonna get your knee over belly, and you're gonna get the full mount. And uh, that's what Formiga was going to do. And for the ref to stand them up like there was no action going on, it was crazy to me. I have no clue why that happened. It definitely affected, uh, to me, the judges and everything. But that round was clear for Formiga. Uh, Formiga freaking was a step ahead every single transition in the jiu-jitsu realm. It's like chess. In chess, you need to be steps ahead. And Formiga was every single time. It wasn't Morano ahead every single time. It was Formiga, so I have no freaking clue what the hell was going on. I was so disgusted to lose this fight. It, it literally made me sick and ruined my whole night. Well, especially, I mean, that first round was, I mean, there's a few close spots, but for the most part, it was dominant. And it was too, like, there was a couple really close submission attempts and a few other things. And just looking clean and looking good. I mean, credit to Brendan Moreno. Like I said, he looked even better than I thought he would, and I'm actually really looking forward to him in the future. Um, but I still think he lost this fight, which means no shame to him. You're right, though. Formiga is a top three guy in the division. Easy. You're right, though. Uh, Moreno, ahead, looked wonderf- Moreno, Moreno looked wonderful. So I, I definitely, I'm just mad at the fact that Formiga lost. It's, it's To me, if you're going to praise the, the fight, 
like I said, jujitsu wise, Formiga was always ahead, and it just it seemed like it should be a draw before it ever went to Moreno. Oh no, I'm like like I said, I think it's very clear that it was a Formiga fight. Everyone right now that's sort of Moreno is probably pissed for hearing us say that, but honestly, I'm well aware I had money on Formiga. I am, but I'm usually fairly good at. When I'm watching the fights and scoring them, I do have an, a lean in a given way, but I don't think there's a way to argue for those first two rounds with how much he was attacking with submissions, how near, how close he was on a few of them. Sure. Like, there was a few times where I thought that was it, and he had it, and there was going to be a tap any second. And kudos to Moreno for that part, but you, but, okay, he yeah, was. But, and Moreno sorry, never that, had. That, that stand up, like, if. Oh, man. Moreno never had Formiga in those deepest submissions, so I don't I don't understand how those aren't scored. You know, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if they're just not scoring, advancing the posi- position, and going for near submissions, and only scoring the defense of them. But I'm, I've always been told, for the most part, that defense is its own reward, and you're not necessarily scoring on that. He gets out of it. That's great. He's still on the defensive the whole time. It's like turtling up when someone's throwing shots, or just. Someone's throwing shots at you, landing a couple, or just landing them not as hard, and you're like parrying away and not actually throwing anything. But you take, like, I'm sorry, that stand up still gets me. If you saw me on Twitter, I just, I lost my stuff on Twitter, which I, I rarely do. But Formiga just did all the steps in slowly advancing to get to that position, still throwing the occasional shot. And like, like Mike said, he was about to go full on, full amount. And it was just. It's hard to look back on it, and that's that's the biggest hard part, because once that happened, then became the question in your head of, oh no, he spent so much energy in this first round going for these subs and going for this extremely dominant position, what will he have in future rounds? Because he was going all for it because he had the position, and that's what you do. So I like, And he had plenty of time while being on top that he would have been able to do something with that. So, I don't know. It's more of like one of those could have beens. And then since they took that away from him, I guess it just cascaded down because he was so dominant in the first and Brandon was starting to come back the second. So, I don't know if they scored it from since he was doing better or what. But I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to Brandon Brandon in the future. But again, still thought he lost that fight. fight Mike, though. any great final? Fight. Oh, yeah. Those that, that If you don't like flyweights or. Th- Say you don't like flyaways. You rewatch that first round and watch all of those scrambles and tell me that wasn't one of the most entertaining first, especially on that fight card. That was like the first fight of the night that looked that good to me. It was so good. Like, I like EDS, I do. That was nowhere near as exciting of a fight as I thought it was. And every card below that, uh, fight on the card below that was a fairly robotic fight not super entertaining to be and then you watch the first round of formiga versus moreno and it just blew the doors off everything that happened before it totally agree mike i'm about to move on because i know we'll probably end up talking about this fight for the majority of the show if we could so honestly if you didn't and you watched if you didn't watch this fight please go back and watch it. it was a phenomenal fight i mean both men started to tire in the third but all in all the fight was amazing before we move on to the next fight do you have any final thoughts on uh, formiga versus brandon moreno no, I, I really can't wait to see where Brandon Moreno goes now because uh, after learning all he did from Formiga and getting the confidence that he's going to acquire, it's he's going to be quite deadly. He's young still. We liked him anyways. Uh, he has a young girl he takes care of. So, I mean, I'm happy for him. I just pissed that I bet on him this time. Yeah, Moreno is 26, and he's already this good at flyweight. So in the next couple years, like there's no way this kid isn't going to be champ of the division. And I think we talked about that on the preview show, that at some point this kid will. We just thought he wasn't there yet. And 
I don't know. He's borderline there now. It's crazy. I would like those type of scrambles and that type of wrestling he was doing. I don't necessarily say that would do against Joe B. Just matchmaking wise, but like I, I think he would have, give Davison Figueroa some fits with how well he did against Formiga. But I don't know. oh well. For, so the next fight, sorry, uh, Francisco Trinaldo uh, fought John McDessie and clearly won a decision because. Trinaldo doesn't lose in Brazil or lose a lot in general. Uh, big kudos to him. One of the oldest uh, lightweights on roster just completely took it to MacDessie and clearly won the decision. Always happy for a Trinaldo win. Usually I like him at a little bit closer to even money, so I wasn't near that one, but that was borderline a foregone conclusion. Mike, how'd you feel about Grandpa Trinaldo's performance on uh, one of the not so good tri-star prospects that came out uh he was actually quite impressive uh he looked really good uh body wise at physical shape he, he came he came aggressive and mcdessey just seemed to be on his back foot the entire fight he didn't want any parts of the kick or the punches that trinaldo was uh throwing at him it, it really trinaldo dominated that fight from the first bell to the last and it was really impressive for the age that he could just put that out there. But McDessie is a, a bad person. I guess uh, he's uh, owed some money business-wise to Gegard Musasi and some other people for some fight uh, sponsorships that he never paid. So I'm glad that he lost. I had high hopes for McDessie for a while. He threw just very enough of the strikes, but always that cry saw with the hands down. Like the more um, Wonder Boy style, but not quite his fight given his contemporary, not as fast, sorry, given his contemporaries. And yeah, man, Trinaldo, Trinaldo just looked good. Um, this was an entertaining fight, nowhere near what Formiga was. This one kind of fell back into the uh, formula of the fight card in general, where obviously there's violence, but it was very formulaic and about a round into it. Okay, I kind of know how the rest of this fight's going to go. Obviously, the previous flyaway fight was nothing like that. And, uh, the light heavyweight fight coming up after was fairly similar after the early goings. Uh, Johnny Walker lost to Nikita Krylov by unanimous decision. Krylov learned himself some wrestling, or Walker just doesn't have it uh, in terms of the wrestling and won the decision. Mike, how'd you feel about this fight? Obviously, this was the one a lot of people were pegging for a possible fight of the night. There's no way this is going to the decision. I remember, I think, looking it up, I think doesn't go to the decision was in the minus 400 range. And nope, they slowed the pace down, and Nikita Krylov got it. Where are you at with uh, this light heavyweight fight? Yeah, this fight ended up being the exact opposite of what everybody thought it was going to be. Uh, Nikita Krylov looked uh, pretty good for being himself, but uh, Johnny Walker didn't look any any of the part that he was. He definitely doesn't have the chin that he uh, once showed. He ha- he's shown that he had had a weak chin back in his uh, his past fights, but he he seemed to have fixed that or strengthened it. But now he's uh, he just isn't he just isn't what everyone thought he was and Krylov just dominated him from a pillar to post I think it was plus 850 for uh, Krylov to win a decision dude yeah that's that's insane but I, I can understand the line going into it when you thought about the matchup but I've heard and I'll get your take on this after I throw it down that because for all of you who don't know, I would assume most people listening to this podcast know this bit of fact. If you were watching any of the news going into this fight at all, but they fought to no crowd. 
whatsoever. It was the fighters, it was their cornermen, it was the guys at the desk and the matchmaker and ref and not much more than that. Guys running the cameras, so no crowd. So I've heard tell that some of the reason that this fight card in general may have been a little bit more tame is you don't have the audience there amping you up whether it be on the way in or cheering when stuff goes down and honestly i've never fought into a cage so i don't know how much of that you can actually audibly hear and like take with you but everything just seemed a lot more docile than normal uh, other than a few bright spots on this fight card so i'm not sure if that's a thing or not mike how do you feel about that possibility of just the fact there was no one in the crowd that just all in general the fighters the energy was just lower yeah, it definitely seems like the fans make the fights a little bit more exciting or the fighters uh, go out there and uh, try to kill a little bit better because we saw a ton of decisions. If it goes on in the future, I- I'm not going to be too fond of it because if uh, those decisions were really bad. And I, I, for ESPN to put those on in front of the whole world when there was no other sports on, I was highly disappointed that that's what we got. So I, I, I hope that we could get back to fans, but... I know it's not going to happen, and we're. I just pray that we see Tony and Khabib in some like dungeon somewhere in Russia. Now, Johnny Walker had a lot of hype going into his last fight. Not this fight, but his last fight when he lost to uh, Corey Anderson. Nikita Krylov at times has had buzz. Early on when he was first came in, and he knocked out heavyweights and then got brought down to light heavyweight, which is a little bit more of a natural fit for him. Did pretty well, left, won some fights in Russia, came back, kind of a lackluster jumping back in. Granted, he lost to Jan Blockwitz, which isn't terrible, and ended up submitting OSP, and he kind of ebbed and flowed, but I'll put it this way. Do you think either of these men, like ever, I'll put, I'll put the ever on it, just because I think you're either that or you're not, fight for a title in the future. I'm going to go with light heavyweight title specifically. Do you think Johnny Walker or Nikita Krylov ever fight for a UFC title? Oh, man. Possibly Krylov, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think either of them deserve it. Yeah, I'm going to lean in that way, too. I always heard... We had so much hype on Johnny Walker just from his early UFC performances, and I had seen so many people talk about his earlier fights. And, like, you can go on his... uh, whether it be Tapology or SureDog, whatever your site of fancy is, would talk about these older fights that he was in um, and how badly he would get knocked out. I mean, there were decent names that did to him every once in a while, but like these knockouts and getting knocked out in the first round, getting knocked out in the second round, or getting submitted or having terrible takedown defense. But like it didn't really seem that way when he got into the UFC, like other than like a decision um, at the Dana White's. A contender series he seemed pretty dang good and like was beaten halfway decent names or guys at least that after they would lose to him would do better after the fact which made him look even better but yeah man he has faltered so bad recently getting knocked out by Corey Anderson who I thought Corey Anderson would win I thought it was going to be a decision but I wouldn't if you still I have trouble believing that Corey Anderson knocked out Johnny Walker but I'm sorry if you can't take a punch from Corey Anderson I can't hold much for you and that's one of the reasons everyone thought this fight was going to go the distance because either Nick Krylov is kind of like a finish or be finished like I believe he has I don't think he's ever been at a decision I'm doing a quick scroll at least of fights where they have the actual like uh method of victory listed other than the split decision to Glover Teixeira he's never been to decision before this one so his last two he has um, so it was going to be exciting and then 
it wasn't and it faltered off and it just shows you sometimes how weak light heavyweight is pretty much everything below like the top five like i remember so many people being so hyped on johnny walker and were hesitant on dominic reyes and they have completely utterly flip-flopped for damn good reason um in the coco main event we're just gonna go that deep with it um because all we have is the review Hanato Moicano defeats Demir Hadzovic by first round submission. But he, he didn't just win by first round submission. He ran by first minute first round submission. It was beautiful. Um, Getting a submission that fast, getting a rear naked choke on a good lightweight. I'll say good lightweight. In his first time up in the division, coming off some some bad like coming off some bad losses man like getting finished in the second and then getting finished the first both through damage by two heavy hitters that was the big reason we stayed away from him was how badly he got beat and he just came in here and styled on Hadzvik Mike how'd you feel about that submission how'd you just feel about his performance and his prospects here up at lightweight now yeah, well, that was a what a negative 400 favorite should do is just come in there and just whoop your ass. I mean, Renato Moicano was exactly the Moicano that you and I loved and we've been high on. And he came in there and he just literally laid it down. We said we would have max bet that if it was negative 185, but we didn't like the line at all. And uh, he walked in there and did exactly what you should do versus the skill difference of those two. I mean, Moikana was a black belt and dangerous standing, and Hazovic is barely a blue belt. So either way, it was, uh, it was exactly what it should be. We couldn't bet on something like that, so it is what it is. I'm, I'm going to be slow with uh, Moikano because obviously this isn't like he's not fighting a super high rank guy or anything like that so i'm pumping the brakes a little bit on the fact that oh he's moved up in weight he looked good so he's gonna be one of those guys that just has a career resurgence at a higher weight it's possible it it absolutely is possible we've seen it done but people always have tendency to highlight the times it works and don't talk about the times it doesn't work and i agree that cutting less weight you should technically be able to take more damage and if that was his only issue then go team but sometimes there's a reason that you're fighting at a lower weight class, so jumping up might not go that well. I guess before we move on uh, to Damian Mike Gilbert Burns, who I guess both can be in that category of what we're talking about, how do you feel about someone jumping up in weight when the vast majority of their career they've been at a lower weight and had success at the lower weight? Um, I, I usually don't like it if because uh, if, if they've chosen that, there's a reason why they've chosen that one weight class. But if, if they could go back up in weight class and still hold the body size and frame as the person up in the weight class, then I do agree with it. So, I mean, for this one, we, it was hard for us to tell because it was Demir Hasevic. We need a Moicano to face someone uh, deadly. I mean, Poria will just put him into the ground. Oh, in that regard, absolutely. Uh, in the co-main event, sad tidings on this one, but going similar with what we talked about, at least in terms of weight disparity. Uh, we thought it was going to be a bigger issue and thus favoring Maya in that fact. Damian Maya, a one-time middle, long-time middleweight at welterweight, fighting Gilbert Burns, a recent bump up to welterweight. Uh, I rewatched the early goings of this fight literally right before we were recording because sometimes finishes completely like paint over how a fight went. And you start to downplay how well someone did. Like, if you would ask me any other time post that fight until right before I watched that, I would have told you that Gilbert Burns blew Damian Maya out of the water. That's 
probably what I would have said uh, after rewatching it. Damian Maya did really, really good in the early goings. Now, it's hard saying early goings when the fight got finished in the first, but he had a good about takedown and a half. I say takedown and a half because one time it was just down to his knee, got burns down to his knee, and then was able to transition to his back, had his back for a while, and was showing dominance in jiu-jitsu. I mean, he was uh, early goings. Yeah, I could tell that I was wrong and that there was a bigger disparity in striking than I thought there was, which was making me nervous um, on the bet. But obviously, it was a big dog bet, so sometimes you have those moments. But then he got him to the ground and had him in a good position, and then you're like, okay, okay, now this is what I was going with. This is what I was going with. And then that got overshadowed by the fact that, yes, Gilbert Burns landed flush, sent Maya to the ground, and did those follow-up punches, which me and Mike were talking earlier, is what you need to do. You need to go rapid punches, because the vast majority of the time, even if they're not connecting, but they're there, and the guy doesn't go out, but he's not truly defending against them, the ref's going to call it. So, obviously, Burns looked phenomenal here. He showed more power than I thought he had. He showed adequate jujitsu, and I'm saying adequate jujitsu just against some of the best. And I know he's highly ranked belt as well. I'm very much aware of that. But to be able to handle himself that well and defend that well in the early goings with Damian Maya and his striking shortening up that much. He's going to be a handful for some people. I mean, I would like to see him against a powerhouse wrestler, the same type that gave Damian Maya issues. I don't know if that would be uh, advantageous to him, but a uh, great performance by Burns, and I guess pour one out for Damian Maya. Mike, how you feel about this main uh, co-main event? I know it was rough for the both of us for more reasons than just losing money. Yeah, man, it was really hard for me to watch. I freaking love Damian Maya, and never in my life did I think he was going to get knocked out by Gilbert Burns. It's no disrespect to Gilbert Burns. It's just he just isn't a striker, and uh, Damian Maya has been in there with some of the best strikers in the world, and hasn't gotten caught. But I really believe that Damian Maya got caught because his jujitsu was—he was so confident in his jujitsu and his ground game that he kept advancing forward without caution, and he got hit with that left hook, and it just put him out. And I. I, I believe the stoppage was good because the fact that Gilbert Burns followed up with so many rapid uh, punches in a row, I really liked how he, he decided to do that. And I think a lot of fighters should do that more often. A lot of them don't take advantage of those situations where the, the fi- other fighters turtled up. And so it was, it, it was an amazing uh, little bit of jujitsu that we got to see. Gilbert Burns is going to be amazing uh, in the future after being able to do this to Damian Maya, and he's so young still, Gilbert Burns himself. I, I really believe that uh, if he could get his striking up to par even better, that he could be a possible champion one day because Damian Maya was, is legit my favorite fighter of all time and proud that my son's named after him and just sucked that he lost this weekend and we also lost that bet. But it is what it is, is fighting, and this is a betting game. Yeah, obviously, we, we take some, everyone takes some swings sometimes on dogs and uh, liked our odds here. And honestly, if you, like, trust me, obviously, Maya got quote unquote finished. They called it. I'm not making that excuse, but rewatch the fight. You'll see where our angle was. And pretty much up until the finish, Maya was looking like he was going to do the thing. So before I completely disregard that, Maya is still showing those skills as old as he is and whatnot. And he has said his next fight is going to be his last. And one of the fights he has said that he wants, I believe he said two, if I remember right. He said uh, Diego Sanchez, and I can't remember if it was him or someone else, but I think he also said Cowboy Cerrone. How do you feel about either of those fight, Mike, and which one would you rather see him do? 
Well, his easiest fight would be uh, Diego Sanchez. He would take us back and choke him out in the first round so fast that it would be funny. Uh, but uh, that that's what I would like for him to do. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone would be a, a little bit tougher of a matchup, but I still think that he could sub him too. So I think it would be a, gr- a more exciting matchup to have him versus Cerrone because of the hype, but it would be a, an easier, favorable matchup for Maya to face Diego Sanchez. I would definitely agree for sure that, as terrible as it sounds, him versus Diego Sanchez would be a borderline f- like foregone conclusion. Like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get sub now. Um... <laughs> And that'd be great. Great way to ride off in the sunset. The Cowboy one, I do give Damian Maya a lot of the advantages in that one, especially how the more recent fights for Cowboy have gone. But that one would be lined a little bit closer, and I'd be a little more hesitant on where I would go for a pick and a bet on that if I would, whereas I would try to play Damian Maya any which way against Diego Sanchez. Um, In the main event, now this one's a little tricky, and this one's not a little tricky because we were wrong or anything like that. This was a little tricky because I'm actually kind of mad. We record mostly on Tuesday nights. Um, if you look at us on Twitter, that's usually where you see when we're recording. We usually pump this out to you on Wednesdays. Obviously things happen, but that's almost always how it is. And that's how it was last week. The odds for the Olivera fight, the Lee Olivera fight, changed so dramatically and I went off for a while on the odds of it because I wanted to bet Dobronx on the show, and I wanted that to be my pick so bad. But I was not going to give you guys Oliveira at plus 105 when I printed up the original notes and 110 by the time we recorded because I had seen him as high as plus 140 in the past, and I wanted that number again. Eventually, that number did come back around, but not enough time for this show. I did eventually end up betting uh, Oliveira in the distance, not by submission, which was obviously a higher dog money, I believe. Uh, by sub was plus 275. I had him in the distance at plus 195 because his hands looked so good. And I wanted to cover all my bases, and his hands showed up. Um, Kevin Lee was getting his ass beat. Um, he was starting to come on a little bit in the end of the second and the third round uh, after Dobronx felt a little bit of his power. But, man, his scrambles and putting Lee into some serious danger from the get-go. He was not giving Lee an inch. As soon as that fight started, he was backing him up against the fence with strikes and landing. It it was impressive. His striking looked beyond impressive. I, like, I didn't even think he was up to that point in his striking. And then, obviously, we had the, uh, we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. In general, uh, overview thoughts of the main event fight, Mike, with Kevin Lee and Dobronx Oliveira. Oh, man, Dobronx is absolutely incredible, dude. I just He just gets better and better, and it's just, uh, to watch him do that versus Lee, I absolutely loved it. You and I both picked Dobronx to win this beast over in Brazil. We thought he would be more superior. We t- we said it. it's not fun to be with longer guys on the ground jiu-jitsu-wise. You saw him uh, get his back. You saw him get uh, his neck taken and choked out. For Kevin Lee also to pretend like he didn't tap at the end of it is just so disrespectful to the sport of jiu-jitsu and MMA. But uh, Dubronx, man, he, he's just a savage. and he's just Look how far he's gone since he's been here since he was like 18. Uh, it's just incredible. I, I was th- this fight was actually one of the fun ones for me to watch. I was stoked that it happened, and I knew you wanted that damn uh, submission prop. But it is what it is, man. It's just uh, I just was stoked that uh, we still got to watch that fight. Dubronx won it because uh, Kevin Lee talks a lot of shit, missed weight, and uh, paid for it. Well, there's nothing we didn't talk about. Is 
Lee talking, but this almost seems to be the uh, order of him, and I've talked to a few other people about this, about what seems to be everyone turning on Kevin Lee all the time, and, like, I jumped off his bandwagon early, he almost had me back a few times, but never quite went full bore, because when he performs, man, and he looks good, he looks like an absolute world beater, and then you put all of your hope and prayers and thoughts behind him, like, he has all the skill, he has powerful wrestling, he has powerful shots his defense is getting better his striking is getting better man he's gonna get fits to everybody at the top of the division oh he might have the wrestling and the striking to take on khabib or at least in his mind he does and keeps talking about it and then he has these performances we even had um honestly a lot of our content last week at least uh twitter wise was based on this main event because it warranted it and one of them had to do with i mean both these men have had some serious flake opportunities in the past uh, Oliveira dropping with mysterious injuries, whether it's a delayed knockout or a torn esophagus or you name it, he's probably done it. Um, and Kevin Lee, I'm winning the whole fight. I get subbed. I get fluke KO'd in a fight. I'm win- like he, they both had these type of performances when they were matched up. That's one of the reasons I wanted bigger dog money on Oliveira because like I hope he's past that point. He looks like he's past that point, but this is the highest ranked guy he's fought since the last time he did that. And I guess kind of the same thing with Kevin Lee. And I was really thinking that maybe this TriStar move was it for Kevin Lee. And he just, he stumbled again. I just, I can't handle it. Um, And uh, Mike, I have a question for you just because obviously as someone who does not train uh, jiu-jitsu, maybe sometime in the future. My son's going to be signed up for it, so maybe he'll I'll tag along with him in the coming months post-quarantine, for all those wondering. No, I'm not going to go to him start a mat pre-quarantine. I'm all about that post-quarantine. Um, Kevin Lee got subbed. Had a tight, tight guillotine. Uh, Dobronx had a tight, tight guillotine on him. Clearly tapped. Clearly, clearly tapped. Uh, as soon as the fight starts to get separated, he keeps going with it. But not the type of keep going with it that happens when like a guy tries to pretend like he wasn't knocked out or he wasn't really hurt and he's going to keep going with it and like even though the refs touched him and it's over, but trying to put on the good effort. Like legit, like fighting like he didn't tap. So Mike, my question is, is when you're in that submission type state, like when you get in that really locked in and you actually go out, when you come back, do you sometimes not remember the last like five or six seconds and you're like still in the fight i mean it could be it, it definitely could be possible i mean i i've been choked out by my brother many many times and you usually you, you do remember because you remember where you were and what you were doing and uh i to me to me he knows what the fuck happened dude he, he was in a fight he got he was getting choked he mentally he there's two types of people there's fight or flight and he decided to flight real fucking fast dude we had talked about tappers and you know people and i always label them tappers and i don't like betting on tappers well kevin lee is one of those guys now he's one of the guys that right when he gets into the guillotine or the rear naked choke or whatever it is and he gets some strangulation on there he literally starts panicking and instantly before you panic in your mind it doesn't even matter what you how much oxygen you have left in your lungs because you've already basically given it to your opponent so i really believe that it was just kevin lee is mentally weak he knew he knew what happened yes there's a chance that he could that you could you could be dazed so badly that you you don't remember but in a knockout uh more likely uh being choked unconscious isn't is not that 
is not that crazy and it's not even that bad. It's it just, it, you literally gets everything gets white and you just go to sleep and you wake up. Well, and then seeing him kind of go after it after, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I'm mean, like, I hope at this point I haven't looked into it as much. I don't follow Kevin Lee on any of the socials. Um, so I guess I didn't do my due diligence in that regard. I don't know if he's walked that back and being like, no, it was good. You got me. Um, I have heard that he wants to take an extended time off, which might be a good thing. Gives him a full time to get used to the new camp at TriStar if that's where he's going to stay. From what I've heard from him in terms of an excuse, I guess it's not an excuse, he had a game plan. According to Frost, the game plan was working. I would say it wasn't working, uh, given how the fight was going. But either way, um, maybe he was going to be coming on those later rounds. That's possible. Uh, Oliveira hasn't shown an amazing gas tank going into the later rounds. So it was possible. And he decided to just go for it. Disregard the game plan and go for the stop to like put him down and hold him down and stop him. Yeah, that didn't go well. So he's someone who can't stick to a game plan either, which if you're going to be at a camp like TriStar and have someone like Faraz, if you're not going to stick with a game plan, there's kind of no point in being there. Same thing like if you have, if you're at Jackson Wink, it's like if you're not going to stick to a game plan, go to a different camp. Uh, like that's the main reason you're there is for their game plans and then the bodies they have in the gym. Those are the two main reasons you're there. And if you're not going to take full advantage of that, I don't really see a point in it. Um... Moving on just slightly, uh, from it's still in regards to the event. Some of the numbers came out for how well the event did, um, and on the ESPN, how well it did it viewers, did or did it do? Well, yeah, it did not it did not do very well. But some of that has to do with the fact that yeah, they're thrown on ESPN. That's awesome. I think the utter vast majority of people that that are fight fans that are already part of that ESPN Plus number that would have watched it regardless, that number stayed true, and then. You got that plus 600,000 people watching it on ESPN and then ESPN Deportes because it's like those were the people that watched it just happenstance or there was nothing else on. So I'd be curious to find out what the numbers were of people who watched it on plus same time as Deportes, same time as ESPN because basically you just split your viewership up and collectively it might be a higher number, but I don't know. I mean, either way, they weren't the biggest of names, so that's part of it too. And obviously enough people were probably just... Hate to break it to uh, the UFC, but Saturday afternoon when you're not allowed to go anywhere or do anything, people are probably just binging. You name the show, or I knew plenty of people that had kids home because with school being canceled, and obviously it's still the weekend, but did like movie marathons, like pick a style of movie. Like, oh, like we started doing it, uh, our kids, this wasn't that day, but the next day, the original Star Wars. Because they're all old, they're old enough now they can handle it. So start watching those. We didn't make it through all of them, but start watching those. I had uh, my brother-in-law and his kids. They did Indiana Jones. Just start watching those all the way through. It's like you got plenty of time. You don't have to worry about being anywhere in the next few days. So I don't know, but um, yeah, not 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 doing too hot or too well uh, for the bigger name. I think it could have, or if it was originally supposed to be on ESPN. And then they added it to secondary markets and a little bit more name cachet because like, it had decent names on the fight card in general. Like The fight card itself was good in terms of name value, but in terms of delivering, not so much. So we're going to move on from UFC Brasilia. And normally this is when we would do news and notes and we would jump to the preview for the next event. But you know what? We're not going to start previewing the next event because the next event's probably not going to be till mid-April if we are lucky. So what we're going to do, at least for this time, is for the remainder, just talk about a little bit the craziness that was Dana White trying to get 
fights to wherever they could possibly go ever. I'm going to give a quick, quick timeline on that in the terms of how it went and then get Mike's response and we can go back and forth a little bit. So they ended up doing UFC Brasilia with no crowd that was dealing with this COVID-19 coronavirus, all that stuff going on. They were able to do it. Nobody in the arena. Cool. They were going to try to do it in London, figure out a way to do that. People, fighters had already started flying out to London to fight. Then there was going to be a travel ban where people weren't going to be able to come back. So they gave Leon Edwards, who was supposed to be fighting Tyron Woodley, a chance to leave, but he would had to have left in the few hours after them notifying him to get out before the travel ban. Not to mention, if he would have left, how long would he have been, been trapped here before he could go back? I don't know. Uh, to an indeterminate place. They didn't have a venue yet because they were talking about doing it at the Apex Center in Nevada. But Nevada put out a hold on all combat sports happening in the state until they at least had their meeting on March 27th. So then that's out of it. So then they're looking a little bit harder. And it wasn't until days later, trying to sign even people on last minute notice to put together a fight card for this coming weekend. And then it all finally fell apart when we were originally supposed to have only groups of a thousand at tops and two for a hundred, you can't break a thousand and two fifty suggested. Okay. Well then maybe they can get around that. No one in there. Okay, cool. Down to 50. Okay, cool. We can kind of do that. We just have the fighters, one corner man, skeleton crew. Okay. Empty. We got this. Awesome. Then on Tuesday, Trump said they advised down to 10 people. Well, there's no way you could have a fight card with 10 people, even if it's just one guy on one guy by the time you get the judges, a ref, one guy manning the camera. Like you, you just, You're running out of people. So that obviously canceled for the next two weeks and possibly even beyond. One thing Dana has said and brought up, and after I do this, I'll kick it to you, Mike, about this. Uh, they actually had been looking at going on an Indian reservation before this, once all the states were saying that they wouldn't do it, and that no matter what, Khabib and Tony is happening, it just likely won't be in the U.S. So, Mike, what's your take on all the craziness that was trying to slap a card together in, like, six days, and then ultimately the UFC and their plan to still go forward with Khabib Tony? Obviously, we want to see it that they're willing to even go out of the U.S. to possibly a more dangerous place as long as they will license that fight. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, the lakes that they're trying to go to to keep these fights going. But, I mean, it sucks that I'd, I even want to see them, so I, I can't hate on it too much. But it's crazy. And uh, going back to Indian Reservation casinos is actually pretty cool. My brother grew up, or I grew up following my brother around on the professional, uh, like amateur and professional scene at his younger, in the early start of his career, going around to these casinos in Tijuana, down to Mexico, to uh, San Diego, and certain places watching them fight. So they're kind of cool. They bring a certain vibe to them. They definitely are much shadier venues and uh, definitely a lot of different rules. But uh, I, I think that they will try to get done somewhere. I know Russia hasn't had one case of this at all. So I think that they could possibly get it done over there. I think it was Khabib's dad. Now that's sounding odd, but knowing Khabib's dad is one of his managers-ish and one of his coaches and has a lot to say about his career. Uh, it came out. He's saying that it might be in uh, Dubai, which makes sense too. Between that and Russia, I could see the fight happening that would for work. sure. 
and yeah it's like that would that would work for sure and obviously this is all dependent on because there's been word that there's going to be a domestic travel ban in the u.s and if that happens then international flights are probably going to be a no-no and it's going to be if we'll be able to get like i'm not sure i haven't checked if khabib is in state right now or if he's back home but i know tony is so it'll be defend dependent on if you'll be able to get him out of there and how many people from the staff out there and all that kind of stuff but obviously stay posted for that utter utter craziness um with that going we're gonna start winding down uh we're still trying to figure out how future shows will go this was a little bit we were waiting till last minute to find out if there was gonna be a fight card until yesterday afternoon when it proved that it was for sure not gonna happen um but thank you all for listening in. We look forward to adding more content to you guys over the coming weeks. We will obviously notify you about any changes to fight cards if they're happening. So we can actually break some stuff down or if maybe Bellator is going to be in play or something like that. I know a lot of people, if they're in deep on it, are jumping on the Cage Warriors going on this week. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not jumping on Cage Warriors this week. Um but uh, before we bid complete ado, Mike, do you have any final thoughts before we say goodbye to the people until next week? Because we will be back next week. I just wish you guys and your families the best. I hope that all you guys uh, take this stuff seriously. Uh, stay isolated with as least a little amount of people as possible. Wash your hands and stay clean. And just understand that uh, if we all do our part to stay away from each other and uh, isolate ourselves, though, you could make a lot less people's grandparents and the elderly sick who are the most vulnerable. And definitely don't uh, be so selfish. You know, everyone's here to, for each other. And if the more people that are selfish, the harder it gets. Obviously, we're hoping everyone out there stays healthy. We're going to try to stay healthy. We're going to keep trying to put out shows for you guys. And as selfish as it sounds to spread what we're going to be going on, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Spread it around. Contact us on Twitter. MA State of Mind. Don't cope, just win. It's like we're there. We'll talk to you. We're there for DMs. We're there for messages on Twitter. We're, we're around. We'll get you at some point, especially in this time. We like to talk fights. And in the time when probably a lot of shows are going to be taking a hiatus and taking a break because there's no shows to break down, we're going to keep giving shows for you guys because you're quarantined. You need something to do. Well, we're going to try to give you 45 minutes to an hour of at least some time where you could relax and just hear these two jab on and on about a sport where people hit each other in the face so enjoy that and with that let's roll 